They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get their own planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land in safety. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer. What though he escaped from the sea? Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. of the sick on the island came and were cured. Welcome to Acts. Christ's ministry continues our verse-by-verse -verse journey through the fifth book of the New Testament. Acts is the history of the early church, and normally in this series we watch a dramatization of the passage we're going to look at, and then we read the passage with some explanation, and then we conclude with some application. So today we're looking at Acts 27, verse 36 through verse 10 of the next chapter, the last chapter of the book. So we're drawing near to the end. I would like to just uh, read the verse preceding, verse 36. Paul took bread, gave thanks to the Lord, and broke it and began to eat. Being a Jewish rabbi, a Christian rabbi, 
No doubt he maybe gave the traditional Hebrew blessing, Barakata Adonai Elueinu, which means praise be you, Adonai our God. He went on to say, King of the universe who brings forth bread from the earth. Verse 36, then they were all encouraged and also took food for themselves. And in all, we were 276 persons in the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. So this book's written from Luke's standpoint, who happens to be with Paul on this horrendous journey. Uh, over two weeks, the galley was closed on the ship. Their weather was so bad they couldn't eat, so they fasted for two weeks. When they left on this voyage, it was after Yom Kippur, which was another fast the Jews on board the ship had practiced. So these boys were hungry, and so it had been a long time since they had had some decent food. Verse 39, when it was day, the, the storm is still blowing, they did not recognize the land. Paul had told them, we're going to crash, but none of us are going to die. Uh, they had lightened the ship, threw all the wheat in, and they did not rec recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach. They were able to make out that there's a beach ahead and, and a cove in which they could sail the ship. So they planned to run the ship there if possible. Verse 40, when they let go of the anchors, they cut them loose, left them in the sea, meanwhile loosed the rudder ropes, they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. They're going for broke. We got to get some land under our feet. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. When the ocean current goes around an island or a storm blows the water around an island, as the, as the waters come around the island, they meet on the other side and create conflict and often raise a sandbar there. And that's where they hit. Striking a place where the two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern, the rear of the ship, was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship, and so it was, they all escaped safely to land. Cold, wet, salty, and when they hit the beach, sandy, miserable, hungry, suffering in an unknown place. And when they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta. So here's what they had done. They had been in a place called Fair Havens. Winter was coming. They knew they really couldn't travel much. But 70 miles away on the same island of Crete was a place called Phoenix. By the time I get to Phoenix, they wanted to sail there. Paul told them, guys, this is not a good idea. But a south wind blew gently, and they thought, oh, confirmation. And they took off against their own wisdom and Paul's warning. And a storm got a hold of them coming out of the northeast, a nor'easter, the Euroclidon, blew them. And according to tradition, they were in this storm and wound up on an island of Malta, south of Sicily. Now, there is also some debate 
as to whether or not it was Malta. The Greek word here is Melita. And so in Croatia, there is an island that used to be called Melita. Now it's called Imeljet. They both have a cove or a bay called the Bay of St. Paul. And they both have their stories. It reminds me of Columbus. If you've ever, who's been to the Caribbean? Pretty much most places you go to in the Caribbean, they'll try to prove that that's where Columbus landed first. Haitians will tell you that. Jamaicans will tell you that. Bahamans will tell you that. Cubans will tell you that. He came here first, but who has proof? In Paul's case, these people are trying to survive. They're not gathering artifacts to prove where they had landed. So as the church grew, um, who knows? I've been persuaded by Elder Greg it probably was Malta because of the wind blowing uh, a nor'easter. It would be impossible for them to have sailed north. But the mystery is in Acts 27, 27, it says that they storm blew them into the Adriatic Sea. Well, the Adriatic Sea is between the boot of Italy and the shores of Macedonia, Albania and Croatia, and uh, Montenegro, that part of the world there. So where was it? I don't know that it matters, but I think it is interesting. In this story, we're about to see Paul is bitten by a poisonous snake, and Malta has no poisonous snakes. This is... this. This is kind of in the conflict between the Eastern Orthodox and the Western Catholic Church movements in the world. The Easterns claim the island of Emelket, uh, which no doubt is claimed by Croatia. This is the place because Croatia owns that island and they stand to make money from tourists. So they have their tourist stops right there to prove that's where Paul uh, landed. Um, and part of their argument is Malta has no poisonous stakes. Well, the Catholic defense is, well, there's no more poisonous snakes. They have four kinds of snakes, one of which is poisonous, but it's really only a danger to small animals and not to humans. And so their argument is, well, we killed them off. You know, the Christians got rid of them because snakes are bad. Well, I do like the, the thought of Paul throwing snakes in the fire. That's my style. But that does mess up the food chain. You need to know that. Um, so the other Melitas... ML Kett's argument is, well, we had the most poisonous snakes in all of Europe. And they did have the horn viper. Up until 1910, they imported Indian mongoose on the island. What's the plural of mongoose? Is it mongooses, mongi, or mongeese? Well, it doesn't matter. Just a couple of them begin to multiply. They can have two or three litters every year. And it wasn't long till they had destroyed all the snakes on that island. They're snake-free. But now, if you're a chicken farmer, you've got some problems. That's one reason why our customs department doesn't want any mongooses here, even for pets, although they make great pets. Because if they get loose, there goes the poultry business. And there goes the food chain. There goes the snakes. So anyway, so whichever place it was, it's, it's not really important, but I think you have fun. If you ever tour Europe, maybe visit both places and come back and bring a report as to what you think. All right, so they land in Malta, verse 2 of Acts 28. And the natives, literally the barbarians, showed us unusual kindness. So is it, is it unusual for barbarians to be kind? Well, if we view barbarians as we understand them, yeah, it would be unusual. But in this case, a barbarian means a non-Greek speaker. 
the word barbaros, barbar, uh, basically is based on how foreign languages sounded to Greeks. It sounds like gibberish. You know, I could be speaking in another language, but I'm just speaking gibberish. Bar, 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 bar. So they created a word, the gibberish speakers, barbarians. Uh, if you're speaking Hebrew and you introduce yourself, you're always using the word bar as well. You know, Simon bar Jonah, Yeshua bar Joseph, so-and-so bar this and bar that and bar that. And anyway, a little trivia there, very little. So they show them unusual kindness, and here's what they did. They kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling. On top of all that, they're getting rained on. So they gathered around a fire, 276 people. This has to be a big fire. Maybe there's a cluster of them. And because of the cold, it's wintertime. It's late October. It's in the 50s at the warmest. But when Paul gathered a bundle of sticks, verse 3, and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives, or the barbars, saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. Now, justice is a pagan goddess, the goddess of justice. Uh, we have a replica of her in our sculptures. You see the woman who's blindfolded holding the scales of justice. That is the goddess of justice. Uh, the Statue of Liberty is the goddess of liberty. Happens to have the same goddess on top of our capital. Who knew that? I thought that was George Washington. No, We've got pagan symbols in our culture as well. So it's bad enough to be cold, shipwrecked, rained on, snake bit, and talk bad about. Called a murderer. He's got what's coming to him. Bad karma. Oh, there he goes. But looks at what happened. Verse 5, but he shook off the creature. Somebody said, shake it off. He shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. That's what happens when you get bitten by vipers. But after they looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and went to the other extreme and said, he was a god. He must be, you know, justice big brother or something. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, which may have been his title, like Pharaoh or Caesar. Um, Publius was a leader, and no doubt he was a wealthy man. Look at what happened. Who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. Can you imagine 276 nasty travelers coming to your house and you taking them in? This guy had some resources, didn't he? For three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. The King James Version calls it what it is, bloody flux. The guy was passing blood. Paul went in to him and prayed, and he laid hands on him and healed him. Be healed. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases, also came and were healed. So the healing hit the island. One of the Catholic arguments for 
uh, Malta being the Melita Island, is up until the 19th century, there was a sickness that was prevalent there that they got from microbes in goat's milk that caused fevers and dysentery. But they developed a vaccine in the 1800s, and uh, they've been preventing the spread of that disease. But in this case, the Lord healed everybody on the island. Their fevers were gone, their dysentery was cleared up, and whatever other problems they had. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So the people of the island took care of them while they were there. How long were they there? The next verse says they were there for three months. I tend to think that they planted a church. It's awesome. The Catholics say they did, and the Orthodox say they did. Regardless of which island it was, the gospel was spreading. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that as we've looked at this word, we would apply it to our hearts in such a way that it impacts how we live, how we think, and how we walk, and how we talk. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, how to handle snakes. No, I'm not going to do that. Don't want, don't want word getting out about that, you know. Yeah, I knew something was weird about those people. No, the subject is what to do if something has hurt you. I chose the word something because sometimes it's a situation that hurts you. It's not a person that intentionally hurt you, but you still got hurt. So what do you do when things, life, the devil, snakes, circumstances hurt you? What do you do? In Paul's case, he shook it off and went on. What enabled him to do that? I don't know but I don't want us to rush forward too quickly without identifying the circumstances around this snake bite. If it was me putting myself in Paul's shoes and having read the previous chapters in Acts, I might be tempted, you might be tempted, we would be tempted maybe to rant and rave about how much our life sucks. Snake bit You've got to be kidding me, God. We just survived a horrendous storm that lasted for weeks, followed by a traumatic shipwreck to this unknown place. I'm shivering, soaking wet, chilled to the bone. I've got goosebumps on top of goosebumps. I'm sticky and miserable, and I haven't had a bath in weeks. You know I smell bad, and I'm surrounded by 275 other men who stink. Finally breaking a two-week fast forced upon us by the weather. We haven't had a decent meal in weeks, and it's been a long time since I can remember sleeping comfortably. God, do you know how much of a pain these rusty chains on my wrists are? Not to mention these salty, sandy, soggy, cold, wet clothes. Snake bit? You've got to be kidding me. I was made a prisoner over two years ago by those who were supposedly protecting me from folks who wanted me dead. Why am I the one being incarcerated here and not the real troublemakers? How is this fair? I am sick and tired of writing books and trying to encourage other people when life is giving me a beating. Did I mention my beatings? Did I mention my other shipwrecks? Did I mention that stoning? How about this thorn in my flesh? How is any of this right? Viper bit? You've got to be kidding me, God. 
I've lost everything. I am sick of it. No more, Mr. Nice Guy. No more, Mr. I can't believe the pastor played Alice Cooper at church. Well, he is a Methodist preacher, son. I don't know that that justifies anything. But that's not a bad song. It's kind of the blues. He's whining about life. He said, I used to be such a sweet, sweet thing till they got a hold of me. I'd open doors for little old ladies and I helped the blind to see. I got no friends since they read the papers. They can't be seen with me and I'm getting shot down and I'm feeling mean. No more Mr. Nice Guy. No more Mr. Clean. No more Mr. Nice Guy. They say he's sick. He's obscene. Well, he was. My dog bit me on the leg today. My cat clawed my eyes. Ma's been thrown out of the social seeker, and my dad has to hide. I went to church incognito. When everybody rose, the Reverend Smedley recognized me and punched me in the nose. No more Mr. Nice Guy. No more Mr. How to overcome? Is it as simple as shaking it off? Is it as simple as letting it go? Let it go, let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. And the cold don't bother me anyway. <laughs> Is it that simple? I don't want to ever preach a shallow sermon. If I have, please forgive me. But how do you shake stuff off? How do you let things go? We have some clues from Paul's writings. And in these clues, we learn that he could rant and rave if he wanted to because he had the battle scars to show it and wouldn't be lying or exaggerating or being a big baby about stuff. He wrote three letters from jail and others from other places on his journeys. How to handle snake bites, how to handle offenses, what to do when something or someone has hurt you. Three points today. Number one, understand and exercise an eternal perspective. Look at things in light of eternity. Understand what that means and then do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifested in our mortal body. Verse 11, he says, For we who live, are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life is working in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, quote, I believed and therefore I spoke, unquote, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up and will present us with you. What's he doing? In spite of these tough times, he's looking to the future. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many 
may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Verse 17, for our light and momentary affliction or troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. For we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul had his eyes fixed on eternity. He had his eyes fixed on Rome. The Lord Jesus personally promised him, you're going to Rome. So this snake bite is just an interruption. I don't see Rome in the natural right now. I see this snake, but I'm shaking it off because I'm going somewhere. How many times have we been detoured by getting distracted by ignorant folks, foolish folks, or circumstances of life? We've got to keep our eyes on the prize, amen? Second point, value and care for others more than yourself. This is what he did, and here's proof that he could rant. In 2 Corinthians 11, he's defending himself against his critics who happen to be believers in the church. He ain't all that. Well, he, he, you know, he doesn't have to tell us what to do. He planted them. He had, he had some authority there as an apostle who got them going as a church to bring some things in order. Verse 23 of 2 Corinthians 11, I've worked much harder than those guys that are criticizing me, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. According to the Torah, uh, corporal punishment was permissible up to 40 lashes. So they always did it minus one in case they uh, <clears throat> would go over in 41. God forbid that they should lash you with 41 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Reckon he could rant? I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger from the city, in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold, you think, and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. In spite of all this, I carry a burden of concern for you guys. I do not allow this to eclipse my responsibility with you as a, as a leader, as, as the apostle in this region. Pretty awesome. Evidence of his love for them. He valued and cared for others more than himself. You may think, Pastor, that's kind of stretching it. Well, let's look at verse 28 again and then verse 29. Apart from the things which have not been mentioned. All right, guys, I didn't tell you all the suffering I've gone through. But apart from the things I've not mentioned, there is this. The crowd of cares pressing upon me daily. The anxious concern for all the churches. And here is his concern. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is stumbled and I myself do not burn? In other words, I care about you guys. 
My knees go weak when I hear about one of you becoming weak. I burn with passion to see you restored when I know someone has stumbled and fallen away or someone's yielded to the will of the enemy in their life. These things bother me. So the way he was able to overcome things that hurt him not only was his eternal perspective, but he cared for people more than himself. Yep. That is a key to victory. If you admire heroes of history, all their stories, if you read any biographies or any movies of people's life or documentaries, normally it's people that suffered. Who wants to watch a movie about someone's life that never had any problems? And they lived happily ever after. That's it. No, those fairy tales even themselves have suffering in them, don't they? So what's the key to being a hero of history? Living for something more than yourself. If I just live for me, protect me, believe that life is never going to allow anything to hurt me, I'm never going to make an impact for the kingdom. I'm not really going to have any eternal perspective. And things are going to be able to hurt me more than they should. Thirdly, final point, to overcome things that hurt us, set our affections on higher things, things above. Paul wrote Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon while imprisoned in Caesarea for two years, not knowing when he would be set free. And then from there, he was on this voyage. Look at what he said in Colossians. If you then be risen with Christ, we know that Christ took our place and died for us on the cross. As, as us, we didn't die on the cross, but he died as our substitute. He died as us so that we could rise with him. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Where Christ is received, the Messiah has received the name that is above every name. That's verse 1, verse 2 and 3. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. That's what worship does. It helps us set our affections, turn our eyes on Jesus, on things above and not on the things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. This is Paul's understanding that when all this junk was happening to him, unbelievable stuff, getting slandered while he's been snake bit. That's a pretty bad day, isn't it? He reckoned himself as dead. You can't hurt a dead man. Christ lives in me. They're attacking Jesus. I'm doing this for the furtherance of the kingdom. If he ran it and raved, probably Publius wouldn't have uh, been healed. The islanders wouldn't have experienced healing, and they wouldn't have been as well cared for. He'd have made it to Rome because the Lord is true to his promise, but the kingdom would not have advanced, and he would have been miserable for three months. So God's way always pays off. Verse 4, when Christ who is our life is revealed, here's the eternal perspective, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Until we make it to eternity, our life is hidden in Jesus, and we will be revealed 
when we see him as he is, for we will be like him. Life is like a thermostat, and it wants to draw our attention to itself, to earthly things, to struggles, to uh, disappointments, to woundings. But the will of God, as Paul understood it, is to set our affections like we set a thermostat on heavenly things, on things above. So what to do when the snakes of the devil are trying to bite you? Understand and exercise an eternal perspective. Know that you're going to outlive your problems. Know that your trials cannot exist forever, but you are. Value and care for other people more than yourself and set your affections on things above. In a minute, we're going to be worshiping together, and as we worship, that's what we do. We set our affections on things above. Live a life of worship. I want to conclude with this first point again, understanding and exercise the eternal perspective. When we don't, little things get way bigger than they really are. Watch this. again, Colossians says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Lord, we fix our eyes on you. As we worship, do something in our hearts that needs to be
to pray with you about that as well. And we sing some more together. As we worship, don't miss out on this opportunity to pray. Lord,